Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Ah! Sci-fi fans, tonight we get to talk with Mr. Johnny K, independent filmmaker and director, uh, and the man who will be helped be bringing uh, Farragut forward to life. Uh, Johnny, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's great having you. It's great having you. Miles, why don't you take the first question here? So we want to talk about how you got involved with Starship Farragut, but we also want to get to know you a little. Please tell us how you got into sci-fi and and maybe what you're enjoying right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, sci-fi, you know, I grew up with it as a kid. I think we're all probably the same age, so we grew up with Starlog magazines and, you know, things like that. And, yeah, for me, it probably goes all the way back to Star Wars. Um I wasn't quite old enough to see the uh, the first Star Wars in the theater, but I probably caught Return of the Jedi as it came around in the theater. And, you know, I remember specifically seeing E.T. in the theater, and it just kind of blew my mind as a kid. It also scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> yeah, after that, I really kind of developed a love for, for Star Trek. After that, I'd seen what kind of Star Wars had to offer and, and got into Star Trek, especially uh, more so the movies like Wrath of Khan and some of that, more so than the 60s show. Uh, but yeah, I got into that and then just kind of later on in life, uh, it always stayed with me. You know, I'm still kind of the, I think we all are to some extent, the same people we were when we were, you know, kids 40 years ago, a lot of us, and uh, I'm still into a lot of the same stuff I was back then. Uh, in terms of modern sci-fi that I like, um, I don't watch as much TV as I would, as I wish I could have time to do because there's so many great shows out there that I've never seen. Uh, I love Dark Matter. I thought that was a really cool show uh, on sci-fi. I thought it was a really cool premise. Just have a bunch of strangers wake up with amnesia on a spaceship. Like, anything can happen, right? It's a great great pilot. And I, I really like Dark Matter. Um, the Expanse is one of those shows that I've just got a couple episodes in, and I had to stop, and I've not gotten back to it yet. But I'm kind of itching to see where The Expanse goes. And, uh, yeah, in terms of, like, modern Star Trek, uh, Discovery, not so much my thing. I gave it three years and kind of tapped out on Discovery. Uh, but I really do like Picard. I'm enjoying Picard, and especially the new season that just kind of started. I'm really enjoying that. Looking forward to Strange New Worlds, too. So there's, you know, it doesn't feel like it when you're in the, in the middle of it, but I think we're probably living in a golden era of sci-fi right now, and we don't even realize it yet because there's a lot of choices out there, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let me tell you, the uh, so I've only watched um, – part of the first season of expanse but i've read all the novels and it is absolutely a fantastic uh it's a it's a novel series with james S. A. Corey is absolutely fantastic but i want to make time i want to get back to it because i'm you know i get busy doing other stuff i just want to sit down and binge a show every now and then to get back to that well you know it's, a, it's, it's you know you're 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 a creative person and when you're creative it's not like you can just sit down and consume the stuff all the time not if you want to continue to delve and nurture that creative side that's true so uh so i mean speaking about the the creative part of you i mean uh you you mentioned how much you love the star trek films and many other films i'm sure in science fiction um 
you know, it, it is one thing, as we said, to be a consumer of this, but but you have decided to take it to the next level and say, I'm not going to just be a consumer. I want to be involved and begin to try my hand at making and producing my own material. What kind of drove you that direction? I mean, did you always want to be a filmmaker? Did you uh, did this come a little bit later in life? Tell us a little bit about that journey. I think I always wanted to, but you know, wanting to and, and being able to do it are two different things. You know, when you're a kid, I think my, my choices were like astronaut, baseball player, or movie maker. Once I found out somebody is actually behind the camera of like Raiders of the Lost Ark and someone is making that, it got me excited. But, you know, I guess when we were kids, it, you had to work pretty hard to make your own movie. You'd have to steal, a, you know, somebody's Super 8 camera or a camcorder and, you know, stitch it all together yourself. I mean, now it's easy. Again, it's like a golden age of filmmaking. You know, you can go film a movie on your iPhone right now and stitch it together. I mean, it it became significantly easier the older we got to kind of go out and make a movie. And filmmaking is always going to be hard. And I, you know, I commend anybody who actually gets a movie made because it is super hard. But it's never been easier to do it yourself. So I think kind of what drove me uh, a few years ago, I was actually working on set. There were a lot of shows filming here in Virginia where I live. Uh, the Walking Dead spinoff was filming here. Uh, there's an excellent show called The Good Lord Bird with Ethan Hawke. And I think it's probably Ethan Hawke's like, best performance of his career. Uh, that filmed all kind of in the Richmond area. And I worked on those shows. And there's a lot of downtime on those sets. And you would just kind of you know, have the time to sit around and absorb what's happening around you on these sets. And you could kind of go into learning mode and learn the decisions that were being made, you know, who's doing what. And it really kind of inspired me. You know what? Maybe I could go out and do this on a small scale. And I got to talking to some other local filmmakers uh, who were engaged in something called the 48 hour film contest where they only give you 48 hours to make a movie. You get issued an assignment like on a Friday night and you have to shoot it, uh, edit it, slap music on it and get it done in 48 hours and turn in your product on Sunday night, a short film. And that like inspired me because I'm a procrastinator. (laughs) If I'm left to my own devices, like I would never get anything done. But if somebody implements a deadline on me, it's like, Oh, I only have 48 hours to do this. I'll either have a movie or I won't. So that kind of inspired me. Uh, And after I got off of those sets, um, I said, you know what? I'm not going to give myself 48 hours because that's crazy. I'm going to give myself 60 days. Let me see if I can write it, shoot it, edit it, stick some music on it. And at the end of that 60 day period, I'll either have a movie or I won't. And if it's a terrible movie, I never have to show it to anybody. Right. Uh, it would be my little secret, right? And so at the end of that 60 days, uh, I actually had a nine-minute short film that I was incredibly proud of called The Killer of Grassy Ridge. Uh, it ended up landing on Amazon Prime. It's also on YouTube right now, so you can watch it for free on YouTube. And um, it was I was really proud of it. I got it made. I liked it. I was super proud of it. And then kind of the next step after that was, well, let's see how it does in a film festival. You know, let me just enter it in a film fest and see what happens and uh, we entered it and we won. And now it's like a crack addiction. It's like, Ooh, I like this feeling. I want I wanted to, <laughs> I want to enter it in another festival. And then we ended up kind of winning and, and it went around the world. I think we got into like 50 some festivals worldwide. We hit every continent except Antarctica, which I'm still trying to figure out how to get into Antarctica. And then <laughs> I think we got like 13 wins for best debut. We won best U S short film. Um, best horror, best thriller, like some really significant wins that I didn't think like a debut short film, like that's not even imaginable. You know, I'm proud that we've got the movie made, but the fact 
went on and became really successful and won a lot of awards. Like that was never part of the deal that really exceeded my expectations. And then again, it's like the crack, the crack addiction. Like once you, once you go through that process and you do it and it's a short film, it's like, why am I not doing one of these a year or two of these a year? Cause I, I love the process and uh, fast forward. Here we are almost three years later. And, and that's how I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. We know it's, it's funny. I mean, you, you know, you did that film in what, 60 days. And, uh, and it was like, if I can do that in a film in 60 days, if I give myself a year, what can I do? You know, there's, yeah, I, I would put everything off for 10 months and then still have 60 days. Left. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I guess it depends on the length of film. You said it was a nine minute film. It's nine minute total. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah Ridge, 60 days to make nine minutes to look at. So. Yeah. That's a, you know, I, you know, it's, I, I look at sometimes what people do with YouTube and the YouTube film and the amount they put out. And there's no, there's no wonder some of them have a team of people working for them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just because of how much goes into the editing and I've done some a major editing and, you know, for a 17 minute video, it's good 30, 40 hours, you know, better believe it. so there's a lot of work that goes in it. Um, uh, and, and did I, did I see on your page that did you do something with Batman? I did do something with Batman. Yeah, right after uh, right after Killer Grassy Ridge, we actually uh, we shot another short film called Red Eagle One, uh, which is kind of a sci-fi drama, uh, but it's it's based around kind of mankind's first journey to Mars. And that movie is not out yet. The trailer is out. You can find the trailer for Red Eagle One on YouTube. Uh, the movie itself is still in post. I'm looking at it. And it needed some special sauce that I want to go back to and add something. It's kind of the curse of the artist. You know, once you get through the process and you look at what you have, if it's not 100% right or 100% the way you want it, like you obsess over it and you have to go back and work on it until it's 100% the way you want it. Uh, so we shot and filmed Red Eagle One, and I'm looking forward to getting that movie out. And then, yeah, right after that, uh, my buddy Guillermo Mejia showed up at my house one day in his brand new screen accurate Michael Keaton Batman costume. And uh, we did a photo shoot and, you know, just a few minutes into the photo shoot, I'm a photographer as well. And a few minutes into that photo shoot, I was just loving what I saw out of that costume. And I told him, I said, I've got to write a Batman fan film. I never had any aspirations of, of getting into the fan film stuff, which is funny because now I've shot two in like the last six months. <laughs> uh, but it's funny how things twist and turn. But yeah, we ended up writing uh, a movie called The Oath, which is a Batman fan film. And we had about nine months of pre-production on it all the way through 2021. We shot the bulk of the movie in November and December of 2021. And right now it's uh, on the editing uh, computer behind me. And I'm uh, to the point now where I spend about two or three hours a day on the oath, just going through. I've got a rough cut right now, which I'm super happy with and sticking kind of some scratch music on it for the actual final um, the final music gets put on it and we get into sound design, but yeah, I've got a Batman fan film cooking around out there as well. And it's going to be out on YouTube this year too. Okay. Any idea, any, uh, estimate as far as when it's going to be out? Uh, the original goal was March and considering today is St. Patty's day. <laughs> it's not March. Uh, realistically, I don't see it being released before May, okay. just being, but, uh, conservatively, I say, uh, summer, summer of 2022 is, is the target now. Well, looking forward to uh, seeing that, and and when it drops, where can the, where can people find that? Yeah, so it's going to hit the Chaotica Studios YouTube page. Uh, Chaotica is K A O T I C A, common spelling, and uh, we're all we're across all social media as well. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, but it will hit the Chaotica Studios YouTube page. 
So tell us subscribe to it now. Yeah. So t- tell us about Chaotica. Yeah. So actually, uh, it was created by me out of laziness. Uh, a lot <laughs> of my, a lot of my filmmaker uh, buddies, you know, they they're very meticulous about doing a separate kind of Facebook page for every movie they shoot. So you end up having a Facebook page that you have to recreate, you know, every couple of years and rebuild a fan base uh, every couple of years because each movie has its own Facebook page. And I'm way too lazy for that. You know, I can barely, <laughs> barely maintain my own Facebook page. And I said, you know, let's, let's just actually create kind of an umbrella uh, production company. And I did LLC myself. We ended up doing that for the Batman film. Just, it makes things easier like permits and insurance and kind of all the business side of, of filmmaking. Uh, so we didn't end up doing a, an LLC and I set up Chaotica Studios so I could kind of have a central hub to release all of our content, but mostly because I didn't want to create a new uh, social media following with every movie we did. If we could just kind of, um, you know, jump from movie to movie to movie and kind of take the same audience with us, but also growing it as we go. Uh, that was, that's kind of my story. It was, it was out of laziness, but I'm glad that uh, it worked out the way it has. And you can also check us out at uh, chaoticastudios.com as well. Absolutely. Miles, if you want to take question three. Yeah. So what, what connected you to uh, Starship Farragut? Yeah. So John and I uh, have been friends for, eight, nine years, something like that. Um, again, I mentioned before, I had never really been involved in any fan film stuff at all, uh, but I would go to some of the local conventions and John was always kind of doing a premiere screening of some of his episodes of Starship Farragut. And, you know, he'd been in that business a long time. I think they started with the Starship Farragut fan series back in 2005. So it's actually one of the longest running web series, you know, not even just Star Trek. I think it's probably one of the longest running web series of all time going back that long. And um, I was always aware of it. I'd seen some episodes here and there, uh, but I was just never really exposed to the fan film world. And uh, like I mentioned, John and I were friends. Uh, We kept in touch over the years. The movie Red Eagle 1 that I mentioned a second ago, we actually cast John's uh, son, Xavier, to be one of our uh, leads in that movie. And it's my first time working with a, a child actor. I think Xavier was nine or 10 at the time so it was kind of my first time working with a kid actor and he knocked it out of the park by the way you'll see him in the trailer like that's john's kid he did a, an amazing job and uh throughout that process you know john kind of saw what we were doing on red eagle one he was around for the premiere party of killer grassy ridge and i know he he liked that movie a lot and he had a lot of questions about how we shot it and kind of the technicalities of it uh and then fast forward a couple years later summer of last year uh john hands me a script and the script was for what would become the three-minute prologue to Farragut Forward, which is kind of the three-minute intro of our story. And at the time, John just wanted to put together a three-minute teaser showing his Starship Farragut crew in the movie era of Star Trek. So in the Rathacon era with the Monster Maroon uniforms. And he just wanted to do kind of a three-minute teaser and put it out there and see what the reception would be. Because I know John had been away from uh, Star Trek films for about five years. So he kind of wanted to come back, put it in the movie era. As John says, you know, he had kind of aged, uh, you know, I, I will say gracefully. I think John's a, a gracefully aging guy. Uh, I would agree. He was, uh, as he describes himself, he was suddenly age appropriate to wear the Monster Brew uniform. So he got out of the, the 60s gold original series uh, shirts, and then we got him into the Monster Brew uniform. And, and he gave me that script last year. And it was only a three-minute piece, and he said, hey, I want you to think about shooting this. Would you shoot it and direct it? And I 
as soon as I read it, I could immediately picture what that would look like in the movie era of Star Trek. It had an awesome vibe to it. It was really moody. I told John, the first thing I'm going to do is kind of turn the lights off. We're going to shoot this really dark, make it atmospheric, make it a little uncomfortable. It's not going to be a happy-go-lucky, you know, Captain's Log, the ship is at the planet to do the thing. Like, it's kind of a different story. And I accepted the job because it was only a three-minute piece. And I knew we could shoot it in a weekend because I had a super full plate with Red Eagle One and with the Batman fan film we were doing. So I had a a really full plate last year anyway. And uh, it it ended up working out, and I decided to to go ahead and shoot that. And we shot uh, the prologue to Farragut Forward in October of 2021. We crammed it all into one 12-hour shoot, and we just released it in January. And, of course, now it's grown beyond that three-minute piece. Now we're actually in pre-production for the full episode that we're going to do. And of course, that's what we're doing the, uh, the crowdfunder for now. Right. Right. Well, that's fantastic. Miles, I know that, uh, that you watched the three minute. This was very different from the Farragut that we had been seeing. And I know when it dropped, one of the things I was like, when I saw it come down my Facebook feed, I was like, wait, wait, what's this? Like Farragut was gone. Cause I sat with John at a far point, probably five, six years ago. And he said, yep, we're done. We're wrapping it up, moving on to doing James Bond. So when this dropped, I was like, it took it. It, it, I, it was, it, it caught me off guard because I wasn't following it. It just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Right. So, and, and uh, the reception of it was amazing. We've so. been, we've been super pleased. Yeah. It, it's gone over really well. The reception is good. We're getting a lot of, uh, good press about it, I guess is the best way to phrase it. And uh, super excited. I'm, I'm really pleased with how it turned out. And yeah. and for the most part, I mean, it's pretty much exactly how I kind of envisioned it in my head when I first read the script, you know, that really did kind of end up being what the final product looked like. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Well, I was going to say there's, I think there's been attempts to try to make um, some independent Star Trek films in the Wrath of Khan era, but I, I haven't seen anybody, you know, maybe make a, you know, a short out of it, but, uh, you know, to, to, to see, you know, some from a continuing series, uh, explore this era, I think a lot, I mean, a lot, a lot of fans are clamoring for, you know, to see something in the Wrath of Khan era. And do something about it. It's an expensive era. I think, I think one of the reasons you don't see a lot of it is it's a very expensive era to recreate. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about long sleeve, yellow and blue, you know, shirts, gabardine or whatever those are. I mean, those monster maroon uniforms, they call them monsters for a reason. They are, and ask John, I'm sure you did, Scott, you know, in your interview with John, John makes all those uniforms. And I mean, if you were to put a price tag on them, that's got to be a couple grand easily per uniform, just all the detail that goes in. They're made, uh, listen to me talking about the uniforms. This is normally John's line, but (laughs) those things are made to the exact specifications that were made for the movies, you know, back in the day. And they are, completely lined with all the little metal chains and snaps and John's pretty obsessive about details, which is great because I'm kind of a perfectionist too. I love seeing the amount of detail that goes into those uniforms. And I think uh, miles to your point, the reason you don't see a lot of, you know, Rathacon movie era productions from the fan film world is it's a really expensive, you know, playground to play in uh, compared to the other eras, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you mentioned that you're, you're crowdfunding here, um, and we're going to get into that in just a second. Uh, for you, as you're looking at this crowdfunding, like you obviously are doing this with a plan. What is kind of the end goal? We get the three-minute trailer, our teaser, our prologue, as you said it. Um, 
what's kind of the end goal here for, you know, how long of a movie are we talking about, et cetera? Sure. Yeah. The script, I can tell you, our script is locked down and I love it. It's a killer story. Uh, great, great characters, great story. I love everything about the script. Uh, it tracks at about 50 pages. So you figure some of that will go to, you know, some VFX shots, but we'll probably end up around a 45 minute piece. Uh, we are trying to stay, you know, very respectful of the CBS fan film guidelines that came out and they have, you know, CBS has some opinions on things like that, like how long the episode can be. So we're trying to, you know, do our best to stay within that and be respectful uh, of those guidelines. Uh, but that said, the story itself, you know, I think we're going to probably end up around 40 or 45 minutes uh, with the full piece. And, and I don't know, ask me again in six months. We'll see how it survives the edit. <laughs> right, yeah, right. For longer than that, but that's about what we're tracking right now. Yeah. Oh, very good. Very good. Very good. So you mentioned uh, that you're crowdfunding. We're in the middle of the crowdfunder, which I believe goes to the end of March. So uh, we'll get this episode out in the next couple of days. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the crowdfunding and uh, and what we're raising funds for in this project. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate the appreciate. The, um, yeah, I think as we're recording this, it's St. Patty's Day. I think we have 18 days left or 17 days left. So we're kind of coming down to the last two weeks here. Uh, the majority of the money that we're trying to raise is all going to go towards set construction. Um, we're trying to create kind of a period piece and an homage to how they shot films in the 80s. And what that means to me is there's not a lot of green screen. There's not a lot of virtual sets and there's not a lot of uh, CGI uh, aside from some of the ship stuff. But we're doing everything as practical as possible, which means filming with practical models. Uh, the Berta, Klingon Bird of Prey that was in the last few seconds of our prologue. Like that's an actual model kit that was rigged out with, you know, LED lights. And in my opinion, I, you know, some of the CGI that's out there right now looks amazing. In my opinion, I think physical models and practical models just have a, a specific look to them. And that's something I really wanted to, to kind of stick to with this because it's a great kind of tribute to the 80s era of filmmaking and also 80s Star Trek and industrial light and magic and what those guys at ILM were doing back in those days. And it's not easy. You know, by the way, shooting practical models is not an easy thing to do. In some respects, I think it is easier to, to CGI that stuff um, and probably cheaper. Um, but yeah, our, our crowdfunding, that is pretty much all going to go toward the set construction. We are uh, building a Starfleet bridge. As you might imagine, you can't have a Star Trek movie era movie uh, without some, some pretty awesome bridge scenes. So we're looking at building uh, and have designed um, a bridge. And a portion of that bridge has already been built. The set construction guys have been going on this for, at this point, probably six months. Uh, we decided to launch the crowdfunder later on to take the help. Uh, wood, as you know, is not very cheap these not days. Not these days. Nope. Yep. That construction, there's a lot of money that goes into that. Uh, fortunately, a lot of the materials to make the costumes uh, was already in our possession. So uh, most of that is already accounted for. But it's really all about those sets. The Starfleet right. Bridge. Uh, there'll be some Klingon sets. Some of those are actually already completed and have been used uh, in the past. And we're looking to use some of those again. Um, but yeah, the money primarily is, is all going towards that construction, which is not a, uh, not a cheap process. And some, some post-production costs. We'll have some crew traveling. Uh, so there's going to be some hotels and, and obviously you need to feed those folks as well. So we'll, we'll have the standard production costs, but it's all about those sets. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And uh, you're, you're doing this on Indiegogo, and they can do that by just going to Indiegogo and searching up Farragut Forward, right? That's exactly right. Yep. And you can actually just pop it into Google. I think if you Google Farragut Forward, 
I think Indiegogo will probably be one of the first or second results. But right. yeah, Farragut Forward, Indiegogo, pop it into Google and you'll find us. Yeah, I just Googled it and uh, put Farragut Forward, Indiegogo and found it. Uh, but so it's, it's there. So you can back it and you have 16 days left to do this as of the recording. Probably by the time this gets released, uh, somewhere around 14 or 13 days, but plenty of time for anyone listening to go help out, make this project of reality. So, and I think we've raised, if you've got it open, you might have an update. I think we've raised now over 15,000. Yep. That's about where it's at. So, yeah. And our goal, so we're about halfway there. Our goal uh, that we put on is 30,000. And, you know, we'll see how close we get to that. I've got, I've got some pretty uh, high aspirations that we'll get close to that. Um, and even if we don't, the reality is, I mean, the movie's going to get made one way or another. Right now, we're just kind of, again, it's the curse of the artist. We're going to make it uh, regardless. But, you know, the, the, the help that we can get from Indiegogo, I mean, we're going to take that because it'll, uh, it, it'll help us where we need it. And again, yeah. it's all it's all this set construction. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you want these sets to be, uh, to be good. So absolutely. Um, before we wrap up here and we are here, we are about at our time limit here that we kind of set out. Um, uh, we had talked a little bit at, at Farpoint about uh, the gear that you use. Um, and I was wondering if you could just give us a really quick synopsis of when you're shooting a film like this, what sort of, you, you obviously aren't going back to eighties film gear to shoot this. Um, what sort of filming, uh, what sort of camera are you using? And uh, I think when we talked to you, you only use one camera, really. I did, yeah. And, I, and actually, funny enough, I threatened to shoot. You know, that same conversation John and I had about using practical models as like an homage to 80s filmmaking, I totally threatened to shoot it on film. I said, let's just go all in <laughs> and shoot it on film. I was vetoing that. I'm glad. I'm glad I was vetoing um, yeah, what I shoot with, I'm a recent convert to uh, the Blackmagic Design uh, Pocket Cinema Camera 6K Pro. So we did shoot everything in 6K, which probably is overkill for a YouTube release, but you never know what the future holds. And I wanted to have uh, all our footage in, in beautiful 6K and shoot it kind of as high quality as we could. Um, shot it with, uh, yeah, the 6K Pro. Uh, I use Sigma lenses. And most of our lighting gear, our lighting setup, it was primarily LEDs. Uh, that we use for um, a whole bunch of hard drives because when you shoot in 6K, I mean, I think I was shooting like a terabyte a day. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a ridiculous amount of storage space. And then, you know, it's kind of a new thing for me learning how to shoot in 6K and, and learning how to edit in 6K because your computer needs to be a rock star to, uh, to handle all that 6K footage you're going to dump into it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You need it. Uh, yeah. Well, so I'm looking at the camera here right now online and yeah, well, you know, it's an investment that, that, you know, but the quality that you're getting is going to pay off. So, and certainly yeah. if you shot the three minute uh, prologue in that, right? That's right. Yeah. I've, I've now shot two on it. I shot the uh, three minute prologue with that and I shot all of uh, the oath, which is our Batman fan film. And the thing that both of those pieces have in common is super low light. You know, both of them we shot in pitch black. You know, you've seen the prologue. That's a very dark room we were in, you know, intentionally so. And then, obviously, when you shoot a, a Batman fan film, it's all going to be outside at night. And uh, we were in the back, back alleyways. And I will say that camera performs really, really well at low light, which was one of my uh, one of the things that made me choose uh, that camera specifically. It does really, really well in the dark. So. Good, good. Absolutely. 
Well, John, we don't want to hold you up any longer here, but uh, if people want to continue to find out what's coming down the line for Chaotica Studios and for Farragut, where's the best place for our our listeners to check in and find out more about what's going on in your world and what's going on in your various projects? Sure. Uh, definitely check out the Chaotica Studios Facebook page. That's where we post most of our updates almost daily. There's something going out there. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, our YouTube channels where all our video content is being put out. And then also follow uh, Starship Farragut on Facebook. I will say our uh, prologue went up on the Starship Farragut YouTube page. Uh, Chaotica Studios is putting up a lot of the behind the scenes feature ads and specials, but the actual uh, Starship Farragut uh, pieces themselves are going to end up on the Farragut YouTube channel, which is where they belong with all the rest. Um, but yeah, yeah, also check out the news section of chaoticastudios.com. And if you want to track me down personally, the best place to get me is on Twitter. I am at that Johnny K guy on Twitter. <laughs> that Johnny K guy. Very good. Well, Johnny, I want to thank you so much for coming and visiting us here at the sci-fi diner tonight and sharing a little bit about your story and certainly about Starship Farragut. Is there anything else you want to say before we get off or did we cover everything mostly here? I think we covered it. I just, I'll, I'll give you my standard plug. You know, even if, um, if your listeners can't, we know it's tough times for a lot of folks right now. And we know that, you know, contributing to a Starship or a Star Trek fan film might not be top on your priority list of where to spend your money. Uh, something else I'll just throw out there is even if you can just help us share the word, if you're a Star Trek fan, if you can help share those posts and broadcast the signal, even if you can't contribute financially, it would really help us out a lot just to be able to retweet it, share it, and just kind of get the word out on what we're doing. It doesn't cost anything to do that other than a few seconds of your time. So I just kind of want to throw that out too. If you can't contribute financially, we totally get it, but you know, please help us boost the signal. Sounds good. Sounds good. And sounds totally reasonable in this day and age. So, uh, Miles, anything else you want to ask before we let Johnny go? No, I'm just excited. I can't wait to see the um, the end product uh, as, a, as a Star Trek fan for as long as I can remember. Um, excited to see some uh, uh, live action Star Trek in the Wrath of Khan era with uh, you know different set of crew, different set of heroes, and uh, uh, I was really stoked when I saw uh, the teaser. Yeah, good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to it, Johnny. Thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight here on St. Patty's Day. Yes, sir. I cut, cut my uh, celebration short just to come hang out with you guys. I'm Look at that. We served, up at the the di- yeah, we served up at the diner tonight. But <laughs> all right. Hey, thank you so much, Johnny. And uh, I'll drop you. I'll, I'll let you know when this goes live then. Sounds good, man. Thanks again. Thanks for having us.